0: Well, good to be with you this morning. Uh, I'm Roger Farrell, and I was with you, I want to say a year and a half, two years ago, uh, was here, and I was uh, very glad to be invited then. I was living in South Carolina then, where I was Director of Missions for the Broad River Baptist Association. We were spending a lot of time in Maine because we were partners here, and uh, partnering with a number of uh, folks in order to start several new churches in the Midcoast. Um, I came from Maine, was here for a good number of years and pastored in uh, the Portland area and then in the Augusta area. I started a couple of churches there and um, then moved away. And then I came to my senses um, a little over a year ago and we moved back and we are here now and um, just continuing the work that uh, God had called us to in partnership and um, uh, expanding that work and growing that work uh, With a ministry called Multiply Maine And uh, we're continuing to plant churches And work with churches here to plant churches And uh, rejoicing in the fact that uh, God has started seven new churches In Midcoast Maine in the last two or three years And uh, very glad to be part of that effort And uh, uh, some of that effort I've been able to do that in partnership With your church and your pastor And uh, starting Twin Villages Church In Damariscata And uh, one of the new churches that uh, was started is a church in the Booth Bay area. Uh, It's called Anchor Church. And uh, I started getting together about a year and a half ago uh, with a couple of guys who felt a call toward a new work in that region. And uh, they did start a new church. I was able to come alongside them and help them and preach there for a number of months uh, right when we first moved back. And then in March of this uh, past year, uh, I had a conversation with them about when I was going to leave and and what they would do after that, and calling a pastor, and they both looked at me, and they said, well, we were hoping that you would stay, and uh, I said, well, I could probably stay a little longer, you know, I'm thinking that's good, because we don't have that much to do, we'd love to stay, we really enjoyed the people, and the ministry, and we were driving down from a little house up in the Bucksport area, about an hour and a half, driving down there to to preach on Sunday afternoons, and uh, I said, I'd, I'd be okay with staying a little longer, how long were you thinking, and One of them looked at me like I was crazy and said, "Um, indefinitely, we'd like you to stay and be our pastor. We thought you knew that. And um, so I I went and told my wife, Caroline, who some of you have met here. Uh, She was with me the last time I preached. And uh, I went and told her, and she said, uh, I said, they asked me to stay. And she said, did you tell them yes? And I said, no. I I told them we would pray about it. And she said, but we're going to tell them yes, right? (laughs) And we did tell them yes. And uh, so in May, we moved down to Edgecombe, bought a house in Edgecombe, and lived down there. So we're a whole lot closer to your church than we used to be. It was only 50 minutes this morning to get to uh, this scenic area, and uh, glad to be with you this morning. Um, Your pastor asked if I would give an update, and while that's not the, the, the crux of my sermon this morning. I don't want to make the whole thing a missions report. I did want to let you know that we have seen those, those seven churches start in the mid-coast. Uh, we're working with some other churches to start a new church in the Blue Hill region. And uh, we had someone there who was going to do that, and they moved, uh, moved away. And uh, now we're working with a church up uh, in the uh, Acadia region uh, that I've been with several times in the last year. And they, they have said, you know, we're 225 years old. Uh, Somebody started us, and it's probably time that we start some other churches. And so they're partnering with us to do that. I just met with that pastor again last week, and we're moving ahead with that. And um, then we are focusing for 2018 north of Portland, uh, several uh, different towns there where there are very few churches that are sharing the gospel and preaching the gospel. Uh, Towns like Yarmouth and Cumberland and Freeport and Gray New Gloucester. Uh, that area, and we're hoping that God will open the doors there just like he has in the mid-coast. Uh, we now have a church, a new church, uh, that is gospel preaching and gospel sharing about every 30 minutes all the way up the, new, new, up, all the, way up the mid-coast, and we believe that uh, those churches will fill in the gaps themselves, that they have a heart for multiplication, and uh, that they will work together to see new churches started in the places in between. And uh, we're there out on Route 1 and maybe on the end of the peninsula. Uh, In fact, we're going with some of them to some of those new areas in the next few months uh, to look at just that. So we're very glad about that and uh, glad about the work. Uh, There's still uh, an enormous amount of work that needs to be done. Um, A lot of what happens with these churches... Uh, whether or not they will just be churches for people who moved from another church and Christians who relocated, or whether or not they will really make an impact on the 97% of our state who do not claim to be evangelical Christians. Uh, A lot of that just depends on whether or not we will have the courage to share the gospel. And I don't know how that is for you, uh, but I know that it's hard for me. Uh, I have been... For a lot of years as a church planter and a pastor and a regional minister, I've been in the position of of talking with people about evangelism and encouraging people toward evangelism and talking about church planting and how the lost need to hear uh, the good news of Jesus Christ and how God deserves to be glorified in the life of everyone who lives or has ever lived or ever will ever live. Uh, I've been in the position of talking about these things in front of people, but I want to confess to you, and I'm glad to do so openly, that it is still a struggle for me to open my mouth and talk about the gospel. Am I alone in that? Anybody else feel that way? Yeah, okay, good. Well, you're, you're bold enough to raise your hand and admit it, so that's a good sign. Um, but I want to talk with you this morning about courage, and our text this morning is 2 Chronicles chapter 15. Uh, if you'll turn there with me, 2 Chronicles 15. It is so intrinsic to what we do, and we can plant churches all day long. You know, the first chapter of the book of Titus really gives us our marching orders there that Paul was telling Titus to go back into the towns where there were Christians and to establish order and to appoint elders. Uh, That's a a wonderful thing, but in order for that to happen, there have to be new Christians in those communities, and that only happens when the, the gospel of Jesus Christ is shared verbally by Christians. Now, there are a few uh, circumstances. We'll hear stories from time to time of people who came to Christ through some set of extraordinary circumstances that did not involve someone verbally sharing the gospel with them. But those stories are few and far between. I bet if we went around this room right now, we're not going to, but if we went around the room right now and asked you how you came to a relationship with Christ, I bet that almost all of you, it would involve a verbal proclamation of the gospel from someone. For me, it was a variety of people. Everyone from Mrs. Deskins, who was 90 years old when she was my kindergarten Sunday school teacher at Island View Baptist Church in Orange Park, Florida, and taught me the Book of the Bible song, which I still remember most of today. And uh, people like that who faithfully shared uh, the good news of Jesus Christ with me, the, the people in the church that I grew up with, uh, uh, my parents, and lots of other people I would give credit to for that. Uh, for you, it may be one person, maybe a multiplicity of people, uh, but it probably involved a verbal proclamation of the gospel, which takes great courage and all the more so in the day in which we now live and to pretend otherwise for me to exhort you to share the gospel without talking about how difficult it is for us to share the gospel would be fallacy and so this morning a lesson on courage from Second Chronicles 15. And I don't know your habit here, your custom to stand or to sit. When the Bible is read, you are welcome to do as God leads. Uh, and I'll be reading from chapter 15 through verse 19 this morning in the English Standard Version of the Bible. The Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time, Israel was without the true God, and without a teaching priest, and without law. But when in their distress they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him, he was found by them. In those times, there was no peace to him who went out, or to him who came in, for great disturbances afflicted all the inhabitants of the lands. They were broken in pieces. Nation was crushed by nation and city by city, for God troubled them with every sort of distress. But you take courage. Do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. As soon as Asa heard these words, the prophecy of Azariah, the son of Oded, he took courage and put away the detestable idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities that he had taken in the hill country of Ephraim. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was in front of the vestibule of the house of the Lord. And he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and those from Ephraim, Manasseh and Simeon who were residing with him for great numbers had deserted to him from Israel when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. They were gathered at Jerusalem in the third month of the fifteenth year of the reign of Asa. They sacrificed to the Lord on that day from the spoil that they had brought 700 oxen and 7,000 sheep. And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, with all their heart and with all their soul, but that whoever would not seek the Lord, the God of Israel, should be put to death, whether young or old, man or woman." They swore an oath to the Lord with a loud voice and with shouting and with trumpets and with horns. And all Judah rejoiced over the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and had sought him with their whole desire. And he was found by them, and the Lord gave them rest all around. Even Maka, his mother, King Asa, removed from being queen mother because she had made a detestable image for Asherah. Asa cut down her image, crushed it, and burned it at the brook Kidron but the high places were not taken out of Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was wholly true all his days. And he brought into the house of God the sacred gifts of his father and his own sacred gifts, silver and gold and vessels. And there was no more war until the 25th, 35th year of the reign of Asa. God bless the reading of his word. Why don't you sit as I pray. Father, we thank you for your word and this wonderful story. And I pray... Lord, I thank you for men like King Asa, who was bold and courageous when he needed to be. I thank you for prophets like Azariah, those who call us to account and remind us of who we are in you. And God, may we be those people in this place for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to be careful this morning not to look at this story as a template for courageous evangelization in Maine. Because nowhere in the story does it say, use this as a template for courageous evangelization in Maine. Uh, There may be something else in your life that you need courage for. My mind goes to the work that God has called us to with Multiply Maine. And and I have so many conversations about these things. Um, Sometimes we can get lost in the mechanics of... Church and what it means. Uh, if we read together in Psalm sixty-seven, that's a wonderful psalm about um, about worship and all of the things that God does in us. He does in order that he'll be glorified among the nations. And so we can't get away from this evangelistic mandate. I was with a a couple of pastors, and they're leading a new organization, and it's all about pastoral health and pastoral growth and right doctrine. And they say we don't really have a missional component to what we do, and we need one because we have to keep that forefront in our mind. I, I would totally agree uh, you are in the same position that we're in. I live in the Booth Bay region. Uh, we are 8,900 strong year-round, and in the summer, 45 to 50,000 people. Uh, most of those are not locals, of course. Uh, they're coming to be with us for a week or a month or a summer. Uh, many of them come from places, Bible Belt places, like Massachusetts and New Jersey and New York, where everybody knows Jesus, Right? <laughs> So our opportunity is great, and the need is great, and the burden upon us is great to share the gospel. Uh, In Knoxville, Tennessee, if you plant a church, and I know some church planters in Knoxville, Tennessee, if you plant a church, you can hang out a shingle, and all of those Christians who have moved to town to live in those brand new subdivisions uh, will come to your church. And they'll be very excited about it and say, you know, we were looking for something just like this. There was a church just like this that met in the elementary school back in the place where we came from, wherever we moved in from for this wonderful job that we have now in Knoxville, Tennessee. In Booth Bay, Maine, not so much. If we want to fill our auditorium, which right now is the Rotary Hall, Which is a wonderful space, and we're grateful for it. But if we want to fill it, we are going to have to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ outside the walls of the church. Because the only people in their right minds who come to a church are people who are coming to worship Jesus Christ. That's all we got, it's all that we're about. And though your food looked really good downstairs, I'm betting that most people don't show up here and say, I heard you had good food, didn't know quite what else you did or why you gather together and you all stare at the front uh, for like an hour and then you go eat before you go eat. Um, But I just came for the muffins. Doesn't happen very often. When we throw an event, uh, it's not the free hot dogs and the Easter eggs or whatever else that people will really come and stay for. It is the good news of the gospel. And so unless God is is impressing upon their heart their need for the gospel, or unless they're already a believer and have moved to the community or for some reason are without fellowship in a local church in the community, um, we have to share the gospel with them outside of these walls because that's how people come to Christ. And it's only because they come to Christ that they would want to come and spend time with you good folks because that's what you do. You worship Jesus. And getting people to come and worship Jesus who have no interest in worshiping Jesus is like getting me in a liquor store. I don't care if you have the best selection, the best pricing. Uh, you have, you're giving away coupons and, and everything about It's just the very best of what you do. I don't drink. My dad was an alcoholic and a drug addict. I'm just not that interested, you know. And so it doesn't really matter what you do there. Uh, it's just in a category that I have no reference point for and no, absolutely no interest in. Same thing's true with church. Unless people hear the good news of Jesus Christ, most of them are not going to desire to set foot in this place. And our desire is that they would come to know Jesus. Amen. And so we proclaim the gospel. Well, having courage to do so in every case begins with, as it began in this passage where Asa, King Asa, young King Asa, wanting to be the king that God had called him to be, to lead well. It begins with the Holy Spirit of God. You say, well, did the Holy Spirit exist then? Yes, the Spirit of God existed from the very beginning, every part of the Trinity, uh, the Spirit of God at the very beginning of creation, hovering over the waters we read in Genesis. So it begins with the Holy Spirit. We see that in the first verse of this story. Uh, We need to pray and ask the Spirit to work in us. It says, The Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded, and he went out to meet... Asa, and he said to him, and that's when it started, didn't it? When he opened his mouth, filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, listening to the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, God does that in congregations sometimes. It doesn't all come from the pastor, right? I know that uh, if anyone's likely to be filled with the Holy Spirit here and have the Spirit of God speak to him about something important, it's likely to be your pastor, but it could come from other people in the congregation who, like this prophet Azariah, came alongside his king and said, this is what is going on. This is what we need to do. Now, our our prayer lists oftentimes are full of physical maladies. And I believe in churches, when we start praying and being honest about our spiritual maladies, uh, that the Holy Spirit of God works. It leads to confession in the body uh, and leads for us asking God to intervene in our hearts and lives brings revival to the church. And when we see churches being revived, many times God works in the same way in the community for spiritual awakening. We might even ask ourselves, why would God bring spiritual awakening in a community if we're praying that people would come to Christ? Why would God bring spiritual awakening in one of our towns in Maine where there is no church ready to preach and share the gospel with them? It doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense, does it? we typically find throughout history God bringing spiritual awakening after he brings revival in the local church. And so we pray to God and we share our spiritual maladies with one another. We get past the surface stuff and we acknowledge those things in our lives. We confess our sin to one another and we ask for God to intervene in our hearts and lives and we listen to the Holy Spirit. Second of all, we need to hold one another accountable to seek after God with all of our hearts. Look at the passage with me. He went out to meet Asa and he said to him, Hear me, Asa. Bold thing for a prophet to say to a king. Hear me, Asa. And all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. We see the same similar words in Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Uh, If you seek him, he'll be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. He goes on to say, for a long time, Israel was without the true God. And we could say that for many of our churches in Maine. We certainly have a lot of steeples when we have partners come from other parts of the country and they say, you know, I was driving through that town and they have an accent. A lot of our partners have accents. And they say, I was driving through that town and I saw that really big church over there with the big white steeple. Is that... One of y'all's? I say, no, that's not even one of his. Because our our towns are filled with churches that if they ever knew the gospel of Jesus Christ and preached it and shared it, that's not what they're preaching and sharing now. Full of churches like that. And, And I hesitate even to call them churches. They're buildings with steeples with a club of people inside and would that they would rediscover the gospel as we see in this passage It takes a lot of courage to go to someone and to call things as they really are. For a long time, Israel was without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law, but in their distress, they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought Him, and He was found by them. It's wonderful to get to speak of God's faithfulness in the past. He's always faithful, always true, always consistent in every case. And in those times, there was no peace to Him who went out or Him who came in, Great disturbances afflicted all the inhabitants of the land. This is not pleasant news to share. And sometimes we're called upon to do that for one another. When was the last time when another man in your church, if you're a man, when was the last time another man in your church came to you and asked you about your Bible reading and your faithfulness in prayer? I hope it was recent. I hope it was recent. I can tell you I love my church. I think it's a great church. We've got about on a really good day, maybe 50 people in our church. And uh, we're new together, but many of the folks that are with us have been believers for a long time. But I can tell you, it is few and far between that they will come to me. Anyone, even my fellow elders, will come to me and say, tell me how it's going in your prayer times with the Lord. It doesn't happen very often. We need that kind of accountability. I crave that kind of accountability. Um, when was the last time you gently asked someone else the same? We need that kind of accountability to say things that may be hard things, not harsh things, but may be difficult things to ask good questions of one another. These things strengthen all of us. They had apparently that kind of relationship, Azariah and Asa. And then we read, we look down through here, all of these words, all of these horrible words in Uh, Verses 4 and 5 and 6, look at that there. When in their distress, they turned to the Lord. In those times there was no peace, uh, for great disturbances afflicted all the inhabitants of the land. They were broken in pieces. Nation was crushed by nation and city by city. God troubled them with every sort of distress. What is he doing there? He's outlining for him the situation that is going on, and we certainly see that kind of thing going on around us. i got to tell you, Maine is a mess. And I have to believe that one of the reasons why Maine is a mess is because 97% of the people in Maine don't know Jesus Christ. It's not an even fit. Sometimes the people of God have a hard time. But I guarantee you that our drug addiction rate would be a whole lot lower if there were more followers of Jesus in our state. It's one of the reasons why we're as messy as we are. We certainly see that around us. Uh, But as well as keeping in mind what is at stake, we also have to keep in mind the reward of faithfulness, of faithful courage. Godly children, godly marriages, godly churches, godly communities, the glory of God among the nations. I look at this as a parent and I think about my eight-year-old and I think someday I hope he's going to get married. Not anytime soon. In 30 years or so, who's he going to marry? I hope he's going to marry a believer. I hate for him to have to move away and go somewhere else in order to find that godly girl. See, I have a stake in this community. Who's he going to play with? Who are his friends going to be? I'd like him to have friends who exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. They can't exhibit the fruit of the Spirit toward him unless they have the Holy Spirit of God, unless they're followers of Christ. We have a stake in these things. We keep the reward in mind when we do that. Look at verse 8 with me. What's the first practical step that they take here? I love this charge, Azariah says, but you, in other words, you're different. This is the way that it was, but you, you're here now, you're different. You, take courage. Do not let your hands be weak for your work shall be rewarded. And I love this. As soon as Asa heard these words, this prophecy, he took courage and put away the detestable idols. And the very next thing that he did, he repaired the altar of the Lord. Now, we as a church, each church need to do that. If, if, If we as a church, and we're a new church, it's, You'd like to think that being only 13 months old as a church, that we would have some great beginning DNA and that we'd have it all together. But no, it doesn't take very long for us to sink into hurtful patterns or wrong patterns or sinful patterns or idolatrous patterns. You know, how long does it really take before we all sit in the same seat? You know, that we always sit in and that's my seat. Don't sit in my seat. Right. Doesn't take very long. There's a lot of stuff that's a lot bigger than that, but we need to repair. Every church needs to repair some altars. Every church needs to cast aside some idols. I'm grateful for your church, grateful for your fellowship. I know your pastor, we're friends. I know that the gospel is preached here every week. Uh, It's so good to be in a church like this one, but so many of our churches in Maine do not worship. Um, Worship stops right here. You know what I mean? Even if the performances are good, worship stops right here. And I don't just mean the singing, but I mean holistically worship churches. We have churches in Maine that do not worship. We have deacons who will not pray. We have members who are not saved. We have church leadership who is unregenerate. Those things need to be fixed. Um, Gently but firmly, we need to restore the household of God. And as we're involved in starting new churches, I'm grateful for the the organizations like Overseed is one in New England and, and there are others uh, that are working to say, here's a church without a pastor. That, it's not a new church. We don't need to start a church here, but we need to restore a church. And we need to get someone into that pulpit, a pastor in leadership there who will lead them well and preach the word of God. Grateful for those kinds of ministries. Some altars need to be repaired in our state, in our area, in our churches. And then here's a piece of good news. Look at verse 9. And I think this happens in every case. It certainly has been the case in my life. Look at verse 9 with me. And he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and those from Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon who were residing with him for great numbers had deserted to him from Israel when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. What a joy. And the principle there is this. God will send people Who will rally to his cause? I was sharing um, at a conference last year, a little tiny conference, because we're in Maine and we don't have thousands of people at Christian conferences, but I was at this little tiny conference in Belfast, and uh, one of the fellow speakers came up to me afterward, and um, he said, Hey, you were talking about church planting. He said, Man, God really impressed upon my heart that our church needs to be planting churches. We need to be starting new churches. And um, I said, I would agree with you, I think that's really great. And I said, well, tell me about your church. He said, we're 220, at that time, 223 years old. I said, have you ever started a new church? He said, I don't think so. I don't see anything in the history. Can you imagine if for 223 years they had been systematically starting new churches in their home state of Maine? What would that have done? the spiritual landscape of this place as they did that and then those churches started new churches and granddaughter churches and great-granddaughter churches all the way down the line. Um, But never time better than the present and now they are about that work. God sends people who will rally to his cause. When they saw that God was with him, they rallied to his cause. Good doctrine and steadfast commitment will attract those who have turned away from apostate apathetic churches in despair or disgust. And if you look today, all of the statistics are showing this to be true. The middle is winnowing out. Mainstream churches, mainstream denominations are disappearing as fast as they can. And the churches that are left, there is an intensity of of not only feeling, but commitment and growth in churches that hold solidly to the historic gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we're seeing in the United States right now. And people say there are less churchgoers than there used to be. Yeah, but there are more Christians, uh, more people who are going to churches and hearing the gospel preached and responding to the gospel than there used to be. God is doing a work and sending people who rally to his cause, rally to good doctrine and faithful uh, biblical preaching. Well, what did they do next? Next in this, uh, we're not going to uh, bring 700 oxen and 7,000 sheep. There's a number of things here that don't really fit us. Of course, we know that's not necessary anymore because our sacrifice has been made and our debt has been paid in Jesus Christ. Uh, That's not necessary for us to do that, though it will certainly cost us to have courage and respond to the call of God. Uh, But in verse 12, we see something that I think is relevant for us. And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, with all their heart and with all their soul. Now, that was a theocracy, and I want to be very careful this morning. I told my wife I wanted to walk out of here. I wanted you to take courage and storm the gates of hell with the gospel. Uh, and the other thing I wanted you to do is I wanted you to make sure that you didn't go putting people to death because they weren't Christians. Okay? Whenever we have something like that in this passage, I get very nervous about it. Um, this was Whether that was right or wrong, the Bible doesn't say. Um, it certainly was a different type of government uh, that we see in that day. Um, I don't think we we're... Uh, We have to address the morality of that this morning. It's not something that we're empowered or allowed to do and goes counter to what we see of the gospel in the New Testament where we are to give an answer for the hope that we profess and do so gently. Um, Nothing very gentle about that. But they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, with all their heart and with all their soul. That is something that some of our churches do on a regular basis together, something that um, we do at Anchor. Um, once a year and we're coming up next Sunday will be kind of a state of the church address and we will re covenant together to the things that we are committed to. The whole reason that we started as a church and that is that the gospel of Jesus Christ would be shared and preached, proclaimed and taught on the Booth Bay Peninsula. And we're going to covenant to that end. Um, all church members, not just a few or a church within a church uh, not just that little group, perhaps, that's called to evangelism, right? I think last time I was here, I talked about that. Uh, not a spiritual gift, evangelism, listed as a role within the church, but not a gift, something that all of us are called to with a variety of gifts and abilities to bring to bear. Even you introverts, you are much more effective at sharing the gospel with other introverts than extroverts are because they're scared of us, but they're not scared of your quiet, gentle Approach, And so all of us covenanted together to do that, uh, regenerate people of God covenanting together to do the things that God has called his people to do, to be the things that God has called us to be, which means we can't be cowards about church discipline, which means we have to be serious and sober minded people. And last here in verse 16, we need to act on the courage that God gives us, even when it costs us. And this little um, coda at the end of the story uh, might strike home for some of us. Even Maka, his mother, King Asa, removed from being queen mother because she had made a detestable image for Asherah. And, of course, he cut down her image, crushed it, and burned it at the brook Kidron. Even his own mom. He had to have courage, especially with his own family. And that's hard for us. We know that Christ's coming set us perhaps against brother against brother, parent against child in these things, the things that we most hold dear. When those that we hold most dear don't hold to those same things, it can bring conflict. And again, we're called to give an answer for the hope that we profess with gentleness, But firmly. And so sometimes it costs us. Asa put away the idols. He dethroned his mother because of her idol worship. It was what God had called him to. And he had to choose that day whom he would serve, just like Joshua and the people of Israel. And he did. We do all these things, um, I think, for three reasons. For one thing, this is what Christ did for us. Right? Right? For the joy set before him, Jesus being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, right? But humbled himself and came in obedience, even death on the cross. If we don't think that it took courage for Jesus to die on the cross, we're not reading the gospel accounts correctly. This is not only our example but our power to do so. He doesn't just set an example for us. He empowers us to do so. That very same spirit of God that spoke to Azariah, he said, I will send to you a comforter. That Holy Spirit indwells the people of God, giving us everything that we need for life and godliness, empowering us to do what we are called to do as the people of God. This is what he did for us. And in every way, equipped and empowered us to be his people. And then God, we see at the end of the passage, as it happened here, God will give rejoicing and rest to his people. We see that at the end of this passage. Nevertheless, the heart, well, let's look back before that. Verse 15, uh, Judah rejoiced over the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and had sought him with their whole desire, and he was found by them. And the Lord gave them rest all around. I love that phrase. The Lord gave them rest all around. Um, We used to say uh, at our church in Scarborough, South Coast, where I pastored, um, I used to have people come up to me and they'd say, we don't have enough children's workers. And I'd say, we don't have any problems. Evangelism can't cure. And they'd say, we're broke. And something broke. And we're broke because something broke in the building. And it's a familiar tune in churches, right? And we'd say, we don't have any problems. Evangelism can't cure. Right? And they'd say you know, we need more kids in this age group, you know, because there's just one child and he's kind of by himself and there's nobody in two grades above him and two grades below him. He's kind of hanging out by himself. I wish he had more kids. We don't have any problems. Evangelism can't cure. And sure enough, as our people were faithful to share the gospel, those needs were met. You know, we had money in the budget because people came to Christ and they gave generously. And we had people who were willing to work and serve because people came to Christ and they were willing to give their time Generously, when we had some more kids in that age group, we had to find another room for them because uh, we shared the gospel with parents and kids, and they came to Christ and came to worship Christ. And so, God gives rejoicing and rest to His people when we are obedient, not just in the area of evangelism, uh, but as we teach and preach sound doctrine, as we discipline within the church, God gives rest and rejoicing to His people. Not that it's not going to be difficult. I would never give you that impression. We've got several things right now at Anchor that are uh, giving us a hard time and causing us to hit our knees in prayer over and over and over. But God gives rejoicing and rest to his people. When we respond in obedience with courage, he does that for us. And, of course, one day he will do that. And there won't be anything to be afraid of at all except for God himself. And that's a healthy fear of the Lord that we can be glad in. May this be said of us, that our hearts were wholly true all of our days. That's what was said of Asa. He didn't get it all right. And I love at the end of the story that he didn't get it perfectly right. We need some heroes who are real, right? This is one of those. He didn't get everything right. Notice it says there, the high places were not taken out of Israel. I don't know why. Did he run out of steam? Did he not wish to offend his mother further? I don't have any idea. It doesn't tell us. It doesn't give us the answer. Um, he didn't do everything that he should have done. If you read on in the story, there were other things Asa didn't do well, and yet it says this, says, the heart of Asa was wholly true all of his days. Pray that that would be true of us here in Maine. You know, um, this is kind of the season where we're recruiting people from the south, and um, were we not to get any help, could God do What needs to be done in Maine? Could we see a church that is proclaiming the gospel in every community, sharing the gospel outside of their walls in every community in Maine? Could we see that without help from somewhere else? If the mission board money dried up, could we see that without spending another dime from outside of the state? Could we? I think we could. I believe that God has given us everything that we need to do the work that we're called to do as the church of God if our hearts are holy true to the things that he's called us to do and if we will step forward together with courage and we can be encouraged because Christ did that for us does that for us even now intercedes for us at the right hand of the God God the Father Let's pray together Jesus, forgive us where we lack courage, forgive us where we are cowards, not only about sharing the gospel, but maybe even of calling our kids down for family devotions, not wishing to face their rejection because they're busy doing other things, forgive me for that. Forgive us where we are fearful about asking our wives to pray with us or our husbands, as the case may be, for fear of rejection. Forgive us where we don't say to someone, I will pray for you and do it. Forgive us when we're cowards about coming to you and asking God, what would you have of me? What would you Require of me in this season of my life because we're afraid we won't like the answer God I pray that you would free us from the fears that are around us and give us courage just like this king who um, who cleaned house and uh, Lord you worked mightily through him through this prophet who had the guts to go to the king through this king who had the guts to, uh, to do what was right to put away idols and restore altars uh, Father, I pray that we would be that, that the church of God would be that in our state, that we would be that in our families, that if there are things in this church that need to be put right, that people would do so with great courage and wisdom. God, it's, it's called for. We could plant hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of churches, but if we don't have the courage to share the gospel, then lives will not be changed. We'll just shuffle people around to the the newest, and the shiniest. And so God, give us courage for the sake of the lost and for the building up of your church and for your glory that your name might be praised in this place, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.